So today I want to talk a little more about generosity, or the spirit of generosity, or the reason why it's important to understand generosity. Um, especially now that we consider Christmas. Christmas, uh, what's the most you hear? Gift, just the way it is. Black Friday begins, month-long search to find the right gifts. And that's a time that people forget about the past, the future, and they focus on their surroundings, their family. So it's a good time. It's a good time to consider um, people that you haven't forgiven yet. You know, you got to meet them in a, in a house meeting, right? Your family's going to get together, and you're going to see that person you, that's, that has offended you maybe 10 years ago. It's a great time to consider maybe forgiving your parents, forgiving your siblings, forgiving your cousins. I've got no amen, so I lost all of you right at the beginning. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, yeah, it's a perfect time to consider that because it's also a time of forgiving. Christmas is all about forgiving. It's not just about the gift. The gift was given to forgive. So say with me, it's a time to remember forgiveness. It's a time to practice forgiveness. Say to your neighbor, it's a time to practice this. See, and people think that the oldest gift was the wise men. Remember when they give gold and frankincense and mirror to, to set up Jesus on his journey? But no, the, f- the first gift was God giving his son. Because God had determined that from before the foundation of the earth. So the first gift, God himself. He's the one that gave us the first example. In 2 Corinthians uh, 9.15, it says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Because in truth, if you were really to consider this, you would have to say it's indescribable. In truth, if you were to consider this, you would not be able to understand why God would go to such lengths to be able to forgive humanity and to um, pretty much set up the Lord Jesus for us. Why? Why? Does anybody know? It's a question. You can answer it. Why? I love it. I got you all. You know why? I want you to know it, but I want you also to be able to explain it to your friends. Because people don't understand the gospel story. They're so caught up in, in, in such lies that they don't understand, understand the true essence of the gospel story. Huh? Yes, love. But what's the practical application? Just forgive us. Why did Jesus have to come on earth and, and go through all of this stuff and go through all the suffering? Huh? We were separated from God. But God can just say from heaven, okay, I forgive you. Okay. Minister Liz, she got it. That's the answer. Let me explain it. Especially if you're listening over live internet. What happens is when God created man, he made man in charge of this earth. Man is now the steward. He's the agent. He's the manager over this earth. So he's in charge. God says everything on earth, you're in charge. So when God ushers something, it becomes law. On earth, it became law that God's in charge. Here's, Here's the thing about God. God honors his word. Whenever God creates a law, he himself submits to the very law that he creates. So God is in charge, I mean, rather, man is in charge on earth because God put him there in charge. 
So it happens when man blew it, when man sinned, and he gave up authority to the enemy, man blew it. So man had to fix it. But here's the problem. God's holiness is such that you need to have a sacrifice. You need to have something perfect in his place to be able for, for that to be forgiven. So what happened? There was no man that was perfect. Every man was tainted with sin. So that's it. We're in trouble. So God says, I myself will come down in the flesh and I will become man so I can forgive their sin. And I will become the Lamb of God. So that's what happened. Adam was, I mean, uh, Jesus was born, but he was not born from the seed of man. Yes, the womb. Whose womb? Mary's. Young lady, righteous woman. But the seed was not of man, which was tainted with sin. The seed was that of the Holy Ghost. So it was a perfect child with no sin. So when he was born and lived his life, sinless. So what happens? When he goes to the cross, he went there illegally in a sense because he had no sin. But he wasn't dying for him. He was dying for us. See? So man messed up, but man also corrected it. So in the heavenlies, God is able to meet out his justice, but he was also able to meet out his righteousness, his peace, his mercy. That's where justice and mercy kissed. That's the day that we saw such a great mystery, such a great flow of love. That's why. And that's why that gift is so important, because we are now authorized, because man made it right. So on earth, when God wants to do something great, he always looks for man or woman to work through. When the enemy wants to do something terrible, he always looks for somebody that's in tune with his voice to be able to commit the atrocity. Later on, we see people who commit the atrocity. Now they're in prisons. Why did you do that? I don't know. I don't know. They were just moved. Why? Because their eyes were blinded. The eyes of their understanding were blind. They, they didn't have that connection to Almighty God. They were not listening to the Spirit of God. They were listening to the Spirit of the enemy. But those people, when they come to Christ, a good example. Remember the son of Sam? Yes. Son of Sam, he was killing people. I ran for nothing. Just no reason. Years later, he came to Christ. Yes. Now he says, I was demon-possessed. I was possessed. I, 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 I was listening to the wrong voices. But now he's in prison. He'll be in prison for the rest of his life. He'll die in prison. I mean, he's, he's paying for his crime here on earth. But the truth of the matter is, now he's hearing God. So he preaches to the, the warden. He preaches to the, the police officers. He preaches to his fellow inmates. Anybody who listen. And he says, I committed a heinous act. I'm here. I deserve it. But God has forgiven me. And now I'm listening to, to the Lord. Because he, he, was, he was enslaved by that. See? So the greatest gift, once again, is Jesus dying on that cross because he took our place. He truly lived on this earth. And there's no discussion about that. There's no argument about that. We know that Jesus lived historically. History bears that out. See, I love that. I love that about the Lord Jesus Christ. He did it out in the open. It was not some hidden thing that he did. He did it right in front of us. It's written in history. It's documented in history. He lived, he died, he rose again. Hundreds and hundreds of documents to prove historically that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. Wow. You can't even say about the Bible that it's a forgery. Because history, uh, if you keep on uh, hearing from time to time, people find a parchment here in this part of the world, a writing there from that part of the world, thousands of years old, and it bears witness to the fact that the Bible is true and accurate. Wow. 
And what does it say? It says we're saved because the master, Jesus, amazingly, out of sheer generosity, moved to save us. In Acts chapter 15, verse 11. In John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved us that he gave. He gave his son. Praise God. So now God wants us to learn generosity. It's generosity not out of, um, I guess, a holiday, but generosity as a habit for a lifetime. It's not easy because as children, we are naturally selfish. We'll go, we'll bring our child to another home where, where their children, they're also on their toys. What will our child do? They'll go grab the toys and say, mine, mine, mine. Because we're naturally selfish. We don't understand sharing. We have to learn that. And certainly, as, uh, as we grow up and we come into the Lord, it's hard for us to adapt to that lifestyle because we're used to being selfish. It's, our na- it's in our nature. But we learn it. Little by little, we learn how to share. We share in the, in the local church. We share in the community. We share our gifts, our talents, our time, our treasure. What are some, are some gifts that we can share? Our home, that's an awesome gift. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament writings, that's where they met many times. It was in each other's homes. They would eat uh, together, pray together, celebrate together, right? And last week, you know, Minister Belinda shared, so you know, God's serious about this. He's serious about people coming back to his, to his uh, kingdom. He loves them. And he's serious about them. So he's saying, my people, I want you to be serious also about that. Love them the way I love them. Be generous the way I am generous. Praise God. And I love uh, the, the, the teaching that Minister Tony gave. Didn't they preach a great message last week? That was awesome. I really appreciated that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. I love the way, you know, he shared about the, the Apostle Paul, how the Apostle Paul, you know, he was a very renowned person, well-studied, but he had it wrong. And when the Lord came to him, he says, you know, Paul, you're, you're kicking against the goats. You're, you're, you're actually kicking against me. He thought he was serving him. So then instead of just, you know, running away from me, he says, what would you have me do, Lord? What would you have me do? He was willing to change. He was willing to grow out of that experience. Are we willing to grow? Are we willing to shift into uh, that relationship with God and be God's, um, I guess, model here? You know, you can model the Lord Jesus. You can model God's love in your home, in your community, at work. Will they criticize you? Probably. Will they call you right winger? Say that ten times fast. (laughs) Right, Right winger. You know, anything they don't understand, they classify it. They put a name on it so they can attack it. A title, yeah, so they can attack it. And that's, it's very unfortunate, but the truth of the matter is God's love doesn't change just because some person doesn't understand it or because some people might be representing, representing it in a wrong way. That also happens. Some of us represent it in a wrong way. So generosity is more than just an attitude. It's also a skill that you learn. You learn how to be generous. And another thing I've learned, being a parent, is that many times, especially my generation, uh, when I was growing up, my, my parents, they worked hard, but, uh, you know, they had their own ways. Uh, and, and my dad, he shared with me that he never really got any gifts. His parents, actually, he wasn't raised even by his mother or father. He was raised by his uncle. And pretty much he had to go make money for his mother. So even though he wasn't raised by her, he had to make money and go to her home and give it to her. 
So it was very hard. As a child, he was already shining shoes and, and he was already uh, making five, seven, ten cents and giving it to the family pretty much. So they grew up very fast. And so my dad sort of treated me the same way. So at age 12, I was already wor- working. I was working with the bookies. I was making some money there. Uh, you know, I was a part of the store. I would sell the candy and everybody would bypass me and go to the back room where the real action took place. <laughs> But if you came here, I would, I would sell you some candies and, you know, milk and stuff like that. But, you know, at, at age 12, I was making my money already. At age 14, uh, uh, you know, I was working, uh, did whatever I needed to do. I was already, in my head, I was an adult already. And so what happened was, I got married early. I got, I got married at, at age 19. So my, that's why my wife and I are married already 70 years. <laughs> so... Not really, 30, 37, 38 years, something like that. But the truth of, yeah, guys don't ever get it right, so at least I have the approximate. How, mu- how much, honey? How many years? 37? See, I got it right. See, I said 37 or 38. But we got married early. But you know something? We were more adult than some of the 30-year-olds year olds today. We knew what we wanted. We, we budgeted for our wedding. We paid for our own wedding. And we, we paid for our own little honeymoon at age 19. You know, we had our apartment. We had our furniture set up. I already had a car. Yeah, at, at age 19. I already understood, uh, you know, microeconomics, uh, and I already had a job. Um, but today, you know, our generation, what we do is we lavish gifts on our kids, and we give our kids everything. So in terms of gift giving, it's not just giving. It's a skill, too. Because if you give the wrong way, you can actually spoil somebody. So I've learned the flip side. When you uh, take, or rather, when you are not that generous with children, make them work, make them uh, do the uh, plates and teach them how to cook early on. You know, uh, many in our generation say, come on, don't do that to children. But yet, it helps them. They mature quicker. If you do everything for them, you, you never teach them to cook, you never teach them to iron, you never teach them to work, you never teach them to save. Man, they're 30 years old and they still want all your money. They'll be 40, they'll still want all your money. And then they'll want the government to take care of them also, completely, totally. And even though they're strong, but up here they're still children. You know, two or three are saying preach, and everybody is saying, now you're meddling. Now you're getting me upset. I don't even know why I came here. No, I'm just joking. But in truth, there has to be a balance. It's a skill. Giving is a skill. We have to be generous, but at the same time, we have to understand how to invest. Because you can't just throw your money at anything, you know. I know I've lost a lot of money uh, at throwing money at, at stuff that really had no eternal weight. It had no ability to be, um, to be uh, multiplied. And, and now I regret it. I, I could have probably, maybe not a millionaire, but I could have probably had some really good money in the bank already. But I look back, I say, man, how many mistakes did I do? Because I lacked the skill. And so what happens is, if we can learn the skill of being generous, generosity has in it um, a command. In scripture, it says uh, that when we give, it gets given back to us. So we have to understand there is a principle in the world that God released, and that is the law of sowing and reaping. That which we give the most time to, we get the same harvest. So if I'm busy mistreating people, I will get a harvest of people mistreating me. If I treat my friends horribly, I will get the harvest of losing all my friends. Yes. Yes. 
Conversely, if I treat people well, I will, for the most part, get that back. Others will treat us. And what I love about Almighty God is he'll give, um, that law is set in motion that if you treat this person kindly and they treat you bad, don't worry about it because you already sowed it. Somebody else will treat you well. You understand? So you don't lose that seed. You see? In the same way, if you plant corn in the ground, you're going to get corn. It's the same way. Whatever you sow in life, you will get back. But you never get back the same amount. God says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. So if you sow hate, you'll get a generous amount of hate given right back to you. But if you sow love and tenderness and kindness, even though one or two might abuse it, you're going to get it back in spades. You're going to get it more. You'll always get more than what you give. So one of the first things I want, to, I want you to share with others and learn this is that generosity makes me more like God. Generosity makes me more like God. You know why? Psalms 37, 21 in the New Living, it says the godly are generous givers. Because God is a giver. To become with him uh, or become like him, you must be like God. God so loved. You can't love really without giving. I love you. Do you really? Let me see your actions. Yeah, I love these entertainers, you know, go, I love you, New York. Right? They come in and, you know, they love you. No, they don't. They love the money you just finished bringing to their concert. Next week when they're gone, are they going to show you some love? No, they're not going to be around. They take their money, bring it, take it right back to Malibu. You know, and they buy their mansions. And we had that one-hour enjoyment time. We heard that specific uh, enjoyable amount of songs and those dances. And they're gone. That's it. How about the actors? You went, you saw that movie, you enjoyed it. What is it, two, two hours worth? And now they take the money with them, and they go to their mansions, and you stay with nothing. A true person, or rather a person that truly loves you, they'll be there with you. They'll show you that love. How? With their actions. Because true love has action. And it's interesting to note, a little bit of trivia about the Bible. The Bible talks a lot about generosity. Actually, it speaks more about generosity than anything else. Uh, even it talks more about generosity than believing, loving, uh, heaven, hell, anything that you want to look at in Scripture. The Bible talks a lot about generosity. For example, believe. The word believe in Scripture, it's, it's, you can find it 272 times. The word pray, you can find it 371 times. Now, is believing important? Absolutely. It speaks about it 272 times in Scripture. What about pray? Very important. What about love? Love speaks 714 times. That is huge. So we know it's important. The word give, 2,162 times. See my point? So giving is really, really important. The law of, of mention in Scripture, the more mention, the more confirmation is given to that truth or that principle. Um, in First Chronicles 29, 14, David one time prayed this. He says, everything we have has come from you, Lord, and we can only give you what is already yours. Wow. So even when you're giving in the kingdom, even when you're giving uh, to somebody, God gave it to you. 
It's like I said earlier before. If your child gives you that French fry that you bought for them, are they really being generous or is it yours all along? It's a question. If you ask your child for a French fry that you bought for them, are they really being generous? <laughs> the truth of the matter is, yes, they're being generous because you gave it to them. Now it belongs to them. So if they deny it, they can deny it now, but it would be in, in a wrong spirit. It would, be in a, it would be a wrong thing for them to do because, after all, you were generous with them. Right? Remember uh, the scriptures or at least that chapter where it speaks about uh, the servant who was forgiven that great sin by the king? And then that particular servant goes out and looks for one of his co-laborers that owes him like maybe 200 bucks and says, you better pay me right now. No, forgive me. He did the same exact thing as this servant did before the king. Forgive me, king. I can't pay you. And the king said, I forgive you. But he goes back and one of his buddies that owes him maybe 200 bucks or something, the buddy says, forgive me. He says, no, I'm not going to forgive you. Go to prison. See, it was, in the, it was in his power to be generous or selfish. He chose to be what? Selfish. But what happened was later on, the king heard about it, that he had forgiven this guy probably $100,000 worth or $200,000 worth, and he could not forgive his friend maybe $200 worth. So he called him back in. He says, listen, didn't I forgive you? Yeah. So why didn't you forgive? Okay, good. You go to prison now. You see my point? So what most people don't understand is the Bible being a, a book about generosity, it also speaks about selfishness. It speaks about uh, being greedy. In, in Proverbs 1.18, it says this, The greedy set an ambush for themselves. They booby trap their own lives. It is the fate of all who are greedy. It ends up robbing them of life. Now, my question, do you know anybody who's greedy? <laughs> I know a lot of people that are greedy, but the truth of the matter, they don't understand. They're setting a booby trap for their own selves. Because even if they think they're getting away with it at the moment, they don't understand that at the end, the end result will be it'll booby trap their own life. It'll booby trap their own future. My God. 2 Corinthians 9.13. You will be glorifying God through your generous gifts, for your generosity to them will prove that you are obedient to God and you're obedient to the good news of Christ. My God. So what is then generosity good for? Generosity actually is a cure for greed. Generosity is a cure for greed. You know why? We're naturally selfish. Have you ever had to dig deep and give of your time or maybe give... Maybe help a family member who got in trouble because they deserved it, and then you have to bail them out? I've been in scenarios where we've had to help even family members or friends that have passed away, and unfortunately they didn't have, you know, they didn't have insurance at the time. So we've had to, uh, my budget is tight. I don't have any right now. And we've had to dig deep in order to be able to help them. And we've done it. You know why? We, we did it because we are generous. We did it because we knew they needed it, and it was the right thing to do. During Katrina, how many millions of people send money, their own money, over to people to help, uh, over to the Katrina folk, to help them? We do that. We regularly do that. Whenever there's a crisis, 
not only many times will we give money, sometimes we'll fly out to the place. If you're a doctor, uh, if you're a fire, uh, fire person, you know, fireman, firewoman. Is there any firewomen out there? Trying to be a political... Firefighter? Okay, let's say firefighters. Thank you. <laughs> Policemen and women. So we'll actually sometimes take our time and leave our home and go to another state or even another nation just to help somebody else. Doctors do that on a regular basis. They'll go and they'll donate their time and do surgeries in nations where the children or the people cannot afford that. It is a cure for greed. Because every time, I don't know if this has happened to you, it even happens in churches, when we're called to do something, when we're called to dig deep. I remember even when we were buying this building. Remember we were called to dig a little deeper. How many of you remember that? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said, yep. <laughs> Absolutely. We had to dig deep. And we treated this as if it were our own. We know it belongs to God, but we're responsible. Remember the, remember the principle, man is in charge on earth. Anything that's going to happen, man makes it happen. God works through man. So God worked through us, and today we have this beautiful place. And we continue to tweak it as needed, and we continue to raise budgets for little things. Next week, I'll go Monday, I'll, I'll put my, my hand right in my pocket to help a fellow minister who is in need. See? Now, uh, does my mind sometimes argue with me? Yes. Sometimes I say 200, my mind says, no, 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 just 50. Right? Now, let me ask a question. Would $200 help him more or 50 help him more? Then how come my mind only wants to give 50? Because inherently, we're selfish. We have to fight the tendency of greed and selfishness. Yeah, but I don't have a lot. Well, have you lived in some of the places in the world where pretty much they live in mud huts and they don't have a job? Everything is relative. I, 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 don't, I don't know about you. you know, everybody watches some type of novel. I, I like uh, one or two reality shows. One of them is, is um, a, a group of uh, one family in Alaska. And this family in Alaska, they live off the land. And they don't live like you or me. This couple went years ago, and they had, I think, six children. Uh, four guys, four boys, and two girls. And now they're all adults. The kids are in their 30s and their 20s and in their teens. And they literally live in Alaska. You know where it's really cold? You know where everything ices up? And what, what, how do they live? They don't go to work like you and I. For them, they wake up very early in the morning in the, this frozen place, they go out, get wood, cut wood, uh, go looking for deer. They, they kill the deer. They, they you know, take the skin out, skin it. And they do all of that. The kids do all of that. They know how to use bow and arrows. They know how to use shotguns. Uh, and they, that's how they live. And I look at that. I juxtapose their life against mine. And I say, I say wow, what's better? Who, who's to say? I can't judge. I can't say my life is better than their life. That's what they chose. Well, actually, the parents chose. The kids didn't. The kids were born into that. I do know that when they come into town, they feel out of sorts. They, they don't mesh well. And uh, right now, the kids are in their 30s and in their 20s, so they're looking for loved ones. So they try to date, and the girls come and look at where they're living, and the girls kind of don't stay. <laughs> they kind of, like, leave really quick. They say, and, and where's going to be the fireplace? And where's it? They don't have any of that. You know what's their idea of a hot tub? Their idea of a hot tub is they, they make a hole, they, they put a, a, a tarp, and they heat up some water on, on this half canister, 
put, and then throw it underneath that, and oh, nice and hot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we have to think relatively. What is a sacrifice? So when God sees us and sees that we withhold something that we can give, even though it is a sacrifice for us, uh, time might be time. Many times I have not been in the mood. Uh, let's say, for example, Monday. For, for pastors, Monday is a precious day because you work all weekend, you work all week, you prepare, uh, you're in church on Sunday. So traditionally, Monday is a good day off for ministers. But yet, some of the biggest emergencies sometimes happen on Monday. If I were to schedule emergencies, I would schedule them Tuesday. <laughs> Why does it have to happen Monday? You know, and then compound it with the fact I work all day. I work Monday through Friday, you know. I have a regular job too. So come Monday when, uh, when I finish my day, daily job, my evening is precious to me. And sometimes, uh, Pastor, we have an issue. Or Daddy, we have an issue. <laughs> One of the two. And I got to go, uh, I go there, I am not in the mood. But I go, you know why? Because I understand that this sacrifice is worth it. This is important. So say with me, my life, what I give in terms of my time is precious. Another thing is your talent. Your talent is very important. People need your talent. And you know what I hate about the talent? is that sometimes I'm not in the mood to move with my talent to go to that place. You understand where I'm coming from? I understand they need that. I understand that they need my specific skill, right? But I'm not in the mood to go there and give my specific gift at this time. I'm tired. So say with me, my gift is also precious. It's also needed. See, that, that's vital. And, and sometimes, you know, God will move through you many times at the most inopportune times. God will want you to get up and go sometimes when you're not in the mood to get up and go. There have been times, and I'll just be honest with you, I finished a hard day and I just got in my bed. I just laid down, and that's when I get the call. This is a situation you need to deal with it right away. And I'm going... My, my, my mind says, ¿Y qué? ¿Eso no es mío? What? It's not, this, is, this is not mine. It doesn't belong to me. But yet, I have to go. I have to give. I have to give wisdom, advice, uh, you know, uh, also maybe a repair or, or whatever it might be. I'm not in the mood, though. I don't want to go. And I have to fight with my body. As so you're going, no, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have a fight because I don't want to do it. But yet I understand that's the godly and right thing to do. So when I give many times, I don't know how, but somewhere along the line, that's going to come back to my family sooner or later. Because what you give, you also receive. And you never receive the same amount. God always gives you more of that very thing that you give. Amen. Another thing we can give is either a financial gift or a, a, a gift in kind, a, a chair, a piece of furniture. You go to a home and you see a person that doesn't have a dining room table. You happen to know a person that has a dining room table. And you happen to know that the fact that you have a car that could bring the dining table to them. God loves a cheerful giver. And when he sees that act, no, Channel 7 is not going to say anything about it. No, they're not. They're not going to boast on you. Uh, you know, your job is not going to celebrate you. 
But in the heavenlies, they're celebrating you. Amen. In, amen. In the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, it's an interesting story. A gentleman by the name of Cornelius didn't know the Lord, but yet he was a godly man. He was, he was a righteous man. He wanted to do right. And he would constantly give gifts to people. He would give alms to the poor. And he would pray. He would pray to God. Say, God, I don't know you, but I, I, I would like you know, for you to bless my family, whatever it may be. One day an angel comes to this guy, Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion. And the angel says, Cornelius, your prayers and your almsgiving. Almsgiving is gifts to the poor. Your prayers and your almsgiving has been set up as a memorial before God. You know what a memorial is? That's something that you carve in stone. That's something that remains in the presence. You know, you, you see in the parks, you see somebody on a horse, right? That's a memorial. There was somebody, maybe a general or maybe somebody that had something to do with that particular community. And they've been memorialized. A street sign. Sometimes they take the, 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 the street, maybe 194th Street out, and put a name. A, a dear mentor of mine, uh, Bishop Gerald Kaufman, when he passed away, they changed a street sign next to their church and called it Gerald Kaufman Way. Because of the work he did in community. Right? That's a memorial. That lasts. Well, the angel told uh, Cornelius, Cornelius, your prayers and your almsgiving has been set up as a memorial before God. How does that happen? Where God remembers the gifts you gave to others. Wow. So to show you how important this is, God appreciates our gifts. He appreciates our sacrifices. And what, and what did the angel say? Now, because God remembers, now God wants to give you something. There's a message you need to hear. So you need to go to Peter's house. Who was Peter? Peter was one of the disciples who now is an apostle, who happens to have the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The angel didn't preach to him. Why? Because that job was not given to angels. The angel could only point him to a guy who knows the gospel. So Cornelius goes with his family over to Peter's house. And Peter looks, he says, wow, these guys aren't even Jewish like me, yet God is sending them to me. And so G uh, Peter learned something about that. He says, God loves the whole world. At that point, he didn't, he didn't realize that. So while he's preaching, they all got saved. They all got filled with the Holy Ghost. He says, truly, God makes no exemption. He makes exemption of nobody. He loves the world. Amen. So who got the better gift? <laughs> Cornelius did. He got the greatest gift. Amen. So what I'm saying, you're not wasting your time when you give to others. You're not wasting your time when you share generosity. So we, we talk about a season of generosity, but how about a lifestyle of generosity? Here's the other thing about, about generosity. It deepens relationships. Generosity creates community. It builds fellowship. Right now we're here together, but to a great extent, we are generous with each other. In this church, we're very generous. And when I look at each one of you, I know, I see, I see you, I see the sacrifice you've given to God and to community. So generosity also creates relationships. In 2 Corinthians 9, it says, Your generosity not only provides for the needs of God's people, but also produces answers of thanksgiving to God. Which means that your generosity actually connects people to God. There was this one guy who um, his neighbor would ask him from time to time for his snowblower, the neighbor. And 
So one day he, he went to me and says, uh, you don't have a snowblower? I said, well, actually, I have the money to get a snowblower, but I'm asking you for that because I want to create relationship with you. And his neighbor wasn't even a believer, but he understood the principle of generosity. He understood, that when, he understood that when generosity is shared between one another, it creates friendship. It creates a bond that, didn't, um, that wasn't there before. So this guy says, you know, me as a believer, I'm going to use that. So he would go to people. Listen, can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? He went to his neighbors. And the neighbors would say, oh, okay. You know, here's what happened. When you go to somebody and ask them for something, that person is receiving a message. What's the message? Oh, he needs me. He needs me. So if it makes him feel affirmed in his humanity. So it's a good strategy for you. Look for your neighbor and ask them for something. And you watch, you'll form a bond that would not exist. Yeah, ask them for something. You know, don't, don't ask them for, yo, yo, man, give me $25. No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, what, I'm, what I am saying is, you know, maybe ask them for uh, some sugar or something like that. But just enough to create, <laughs> you know, yeah. Don't say, hey, pastor went out. Let's go ask people for money. What I'm saying is, (laughs) you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Create an opportunity for relationship. And then here's what happens. Now they'll receive from you. And then you get the opportunity to share God's love with them. So I love that, that principle. And it's all based on generosity. The other issue is your heart will be wherever your treasure is. Where is your heart today? Wherever you're generous. Wherever you're naturally generous, that's where your heart is. Are you generous towards your children? Are you generous towards your husband, your wife? Are you generous towards the movies? Are you generous towards restaurants? You like to go out and dance? Wherever, whatever's important to you, your money goes there. Your time goes there. We're naturally generous to the things that are a treasure to us. So it also shows you where your treasure is. So look at how you're spending your money. I'll tell you where your true treasure is. Every time I give to God, it moves me closer to him. What do we give God? Huh? The songs, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do we give God? Time? How do you, what do you mean time? In what sense? Get to know him, spend time in his word. With his people. Amen. Amen. What else? Worship. Hmm? Worship. We come here together. We worship. We give God time. So the point is, every time I give to God, it moves me closer to him. Every time I give to others, it moves me closer to them. So be generous with people. Share the love of God with them. Do you enjoy watching your kids be unselfish? Absolutely. I love that. Because it models... My relationship with God, when I see that they're unselfish, when I see they're selfish, what do I do? Don't do that. That's not the way you do stuff. Share. Because no, no, I'm not going to. But after what they learn, you have to teach them. Praise God. Amen. Another thing about generosity is it stretches my faith. The way God tests our faith many times is he puts us in situations where we need to stretch. It puts us in situations where we need to grow. It puts us in situations where we need to be less selfish or or just destroy that spirit of selfishness and become generous. In 2 Corinthians 9.13, it says, your giving proves the reality of your faith. 
Your giving proves the reality of your faith. So true faith means that you're good. You'll be generous with others. You'll be generous with God. You'll be generous with people around you. The other thing is that generosity is built on the law of seed, time, and harvest, like I shared before. What you sow is what you will get. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I remember at, uh, there have been times in my life, my wife and I, where we've been called to sow into other people's lives. We've been called to sow, uh, whether it been, be money or time. And you know, invariably, very shortly after we've been generous with others, something has happened that didn't exist before that suddenly became a benefit to my wife and I. Amazing. Amazing. I know this also as a principle in business. When, uh, whenever I go to a new job, uh, the first year, I understand it's sowing season. First year, I work harder. I work uh, better. I, I dot all my I's. I cross all my T's. Uh, I, I send more emails. I'll stay a little later. If my supervisor asks for something, I'll give them double what they ask for. Within a year, I will be declared a very good employee. Because it's the law of sowing and reaping. Yes, yes. You know? Just uh, the other day, uh, I'm in a new assignment. I've been there nine months now. Uh, you know, I tried teaching for a while, and that pretty much didn't work out for me. But I went into this new assignment, and I've been there nine months. The owner came to the building that I manage, and they looked at everything. They saw everything. They saw what I did, and they sent an email to my boss. I didn't know that. They sent an email to my boss, and they really, really spoke very nicely about me. And my boss chose to share with me that email. And when I read it, I says, that's the principle in action. Some of the people say to me, Victor, you, you, you too, too much sugar, too much sugar. Why? Because I call them sir. Why? Because I'm generous. Why? Because even in my emails, I say, have a nice day. I don't just say sincerely, have a great day, have a great week. You know, I, I lavish them with good words, with positive words, with, with um, I go overboard. How are you, sir? How are you, ma'am? I smile a lot. People think, ah, oh, it's exaggeration. No, no, I do it generously. I'm practicing a principle. Oh, you're a hypocrite. No, I'm doing it honestly with all of my heart because I understand it will come back to me in greater measure. You understand? So you could practice that in business. You could practice that in family. You could practice that if you, you have a job. Yes. Well, nobody else does. I don't care. Amen. I don't care if everybody around me looks like a prune. Amen. You, know, you know the way some people are? That's their default face. You know? I don't care. I look at those people and my job, my challenge, is to take that prune-sucking face right out of them and make them smile right back at me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And most of the time, I get the job done. I get the job. I, I, I love it when, they find, when, when I finally get that smile and go, yes. Because <laughs> I know I achieved something. I broke through a barrier. That, it's a defense mechanism many people uh, have. It's just a defense mechanism. But thank God for his love in and through me. I understand that God's word flowing through my lips is a living, tangible, powerful thing. Yes. God's word isn't just something written in a book. It's alive. Yes. God's word and him are the same. They're together. 
You can't separate God from his word. So when I share God's word, God's love, God's grace, it, it goes out and it's, a, it's living. You know? I don't want to call it a virus, but it acts like a virus. In a sense, it'll get into the person and it'll affect them. And after a while, they won't be able to help them, uh, themselves. Oh, man, I can't, every time I see this guy, I have to smile. I don't want to smile. <laughs> yeah, I've been able to take the most difficult of people and shift them around. And make them appreciate life or, or at least be a little better at work. Or a little more softer at work, nicer at work. Amen? So now it's your, it's your job too. Because now you have the revelation. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Love my new glasses. I, all I need is this is to read. But what I did was I specifically tailored them. I got a little on the bottom. It's 125. And on the top is just glass. So the guy said, well, you need this. I said, no, give me 125 on each. No, no, you need it. 125 or I don't buy the glasses. <laughs> so, okay, so I did it. It's perfect. I know better than the, these guys. <laughs> Deuteronomy 15.10. It blesses me back. Give generously to others and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Should that be enough? See? All in everything you do. Psalms 112. Good will come to those who are generous. Proverbs 11.24, it is possible to give freely and become more wealthy, but those who are stingy will lose everything. Proverbs 11.25, a generous man will prosper, but, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I love it. So if the word says it, I'm going to practice it, because I know God's word is true. Are other people practicing it? I don't care. I understand God's word is alive. They might not know it yet, but through your example, that person might come to saving faith in Christ. And then the last thing I want to share about uh, generosity is it's an investment in eternity. When you give on earth, it's banked in heaven. I'm going to say it again. When you give on earth, it's banked in heaven. Whatever kindness you give to somebody here on earth in the name of the Lord, it's banked in heaven. So I don't have to worry whether they'll accept it or not. That's not my job. My job is to give it. Yes. It's their job to receive it. But it's banked in heaven for me. Amen. See, and that goes right against us because if you give some, a kindness to somebody and they don't uh, accept it, what do you do? You immediately go like this. You close your hands. You close your heart. Right? Isn't that the tendency? Come on, people. Be real with me. If you do a kindness to somebody and they don't accept it, what, what, what's the natural tendency? So, well, later for you. Huh? And other choice words that you'll share. Isn't it true? But you have to understand, when you give to somebody, whether they accept it or not, it's not the end result. You're, you're just sowing that into their lives. Maybe you might sow that and somebody else might reap it. In other words, uh, somebody else might share another principle with them or might continue to give them kindness and finally they'll get it. You might be the first uh, rung in the ladder. Maybe you have to sow first, and then somebody else will sow, somebody else will sow into that person's life, and it's breaking down little by little. And later on, they'll come back to you and say, well, thank you, because it was really you that got this thing started in my head. 
You're the one that shared generosity firsthand. You'll have the reward the same way with the other people that sold into that person's life. Praise God. So it's an investment. Luke, Luke 16, 9. Use your worldly resources to benefit others. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Amen. You can't take it with you, but you could send it ahead. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So the Bible says that our, gener- our generosity stores up in heaven. Say to your neighbor, your generosity, your generosity. stores up in heaven. Praise God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, it talks about the millionaires, about the rich folk in this world. He says, tell them to use their money to do good, always being ready to share what others want. Whatever, or rather, always being ready to share what others, I think I messed up my writing here. Always be ready to share what God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. That's the point. It's talking to rich people. Didn't say that they were bad because they were rich. Interesting. A lot, of, a lot of politicians do that. You know, oh, you rich people, you're horrible. Not necessarily. They worked hard and they became rich. Amen, amen. I mean, how are you going to begrudge that? If you became rich tomorrow, I'll be your friend. I'm just, just joking. Just joking. No, if you, were, if, you, if you were rich tomorrow and you, you're driving around in, in, what's a good car, a Rolls Royce or something? Maserati. I wouldn't begrudge that. I'm not paying the bill. I'm serious. If I see people driving expensive cars or stuff like that, I don't begrudge that. I'll say, who do you think you are? No, I say, listen, hey, may the Lord bless you. Enjoy it. I know I can't afford it. I'm being realistic with myself. I'm sticking with Nissan. Yeah, but I'm happy I have a car. You understand? But the beauty, the beauty about it, it says here, tells the rich folk, use their money to do good. So if I meet Trump, I will tell him, sir, how much of that money are you using to do good on earth? See, I might see him tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe not. But the, the truth of the matter is that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll ask him. Just make sure you take some of that and invest it in a place that's not for you. Invest it in helping others. That's what the Bible says. He says, if you do that, you will be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven. The only safe investment in eternity. See, and they'll live a fruitful Christian life down here as well. Praise God. So the greatest gift that was given to us is the gift of salvation. The gift of a relationship with Almighty God. So today, I want you to consider that during this holiday season. Truly, what is it about? Is it, is it about, con, uh, about the arroz con gandules? It's a little bit about the arroz con gandules. No, the tr- I mean, somebody said, yeah. The truth of the matter is it's, it's, it's about the grace of God being extended to humanity. Now, in the midst of that, use the scenario. Use the arroz con gandules. Use uh, the fellowship, the meeting at the homes, and that's where you give them love. And that's where you give them generosity. And that's where you share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether they accept it or not, I believe it'll be an investment in their lives for eternity. I believe, and this is true, when you release the word of God, the Holy Spirit goes to work in that individual's heart. 
You need to know that about the word. The word doesn't get sent out without it moving into action. It mobilizes. It gets sent to do something. It doesn't return back to God unless it fulfills the very thing it was sent to do. So the word is active. It's powerful. So when you send out a word, just send it out in the name of Jesus. And make sure you send it with enough, uh, with all your love, with all your grace, whether they accept it or not. Amen. Amen. And then use your wisdom. You know, I remember years ago, um, uh, I, I went to evangelize, you know, to preach outside with, with this guy. He called himself an evangelist. And, well, yeah, he did. That was what he called himself. And he, he brought with him, um, what do you call it? A bullhorn. Spanish, autoparlante. You know, all those bullhorns you, you have in the handle, you press it, and then it amplifies your voice somewhat. Yeah, so he was using that to, to preach, so he could get to everybody. It was on 100 and, I want to say, 110th, 109th Street and 3rd Avenue, you know, Spanish Harlem. So imagine me and, and him. He, here I am. I, I think I'm, I was still, I was probably, no, no, I was in my early 20s, maybe 1, 21, 22 years old. And so I, I'm saying, okay, I'm, I'm with an evangelist now. He's going to teach me how to evangelize, right? So he, he starts Calling out to people, say, you out there smoking that cigarette, you're going to split hell wide open. You right there, you lady with, 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 that, with those pants, you're going to split hell wide open. And I'm looking, I'm saying, okay, keep on, because I'm making points. Point number one, point number two, point number three, point number four. See, the five ways not to preach. The five ways not to evangelize in the street. I'm looking at that boy, and little by little, I'm going... You know, I, I wasn't going to stay in a situation like that. My man was, he, he, was, he was off the charts. So fortunately, fortunately, he says he was an evangelist, but he was, a con- he was a contractor. So he was very strong. You could, you know, I mean, muscle bound and everything. So people would get offended at him and the guys, you know, he's speaking derogatorily of his, the girlfriends or the wives. So the guys would turn around and look at him and they would keep on walking because the man was big. But they really wanted to go and hit him. So I'm looking at myself as I preach like that. I'm going to end up in a hospital somewhere, you know, metropolitan in 96, you know. <laughs> so that's not the way. That's, that's not the way to share God's love. So use your culture. Use the wisdom that God has given you. And, and use the grace of God and share God's love. Now, don't, don't be a bigot. Don't be, uh, you know, uh, a person that speaks, uh, now that you're saved, you're better than them. No, we're not better. There by the grace of God, go I also. You know, it's only by the mercy of God that I am who I am, that I have what I have. You, you understand? So go there with mercy. If they, if they don't accept it, say, well, listen, I just wanted to share, and I'll be praying with you. you know, I just, uh, just wanted to share from my perspective. And I want you to get to heaven. You know, God has given me the privilege, and I want you to get to heaven also. You see, see my point? And for all of you, make sure that generosity breaks forth in your life. Ask God right now. Ask God. Bow your heads with me and ask God. Say, God, how can I be generous in this season? Ask God, what can I do to help my family, to help my friends, to help my coworkers? How can I be generous and not use Christianese? You know, in, in my job where I work during the week, I, I don't go around and say, yo, God bless you. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. I don't say things like that there because they don't understand what that means. I say that to you because we're brothers and sisters and we understand it. But in my job, I say, good morning. How are you today? I use a smile. I use an act of kindness. 
empathy. I, I, I use things that they understand that would help them and it would point to Almighty God.